welcome to Authentic Conversations with Ryan James Miller. Join Ryan as he speaks with top business leaders and influencers and hear how they've mastered the art of authenticity to achieve all that they dreamed of. As you hear from these leaders, seek not only to be inspired by their authenticity, but to strive for and master your own. Welcome everybody to another episode of the podcast. I am in heaven today. He's already grinning, but he doesn't even know what I'm going to say yet. I am in heaven because at the beginning of January 2020, you don't even know this, at the beginning of January 2020, I committed to stop doing virtual podcasts. I was done. Like as good as the guest was, as awesome as the opportunity was, I was over the idea of having to stare at another person in video. Six months into quarantine, we all know how sick we are of staring at other people in video. And today marks the day that I get my first in-person interview of 2020. Dang. Dang. Wow. And with me, I get to welcome Robert John Clark. We're going to throw that in there too. He is the income advisor. Right now, if you're listening, just hit pause, go to Instagram at theincomeadvisor.com. This is going to pressure him in to loading a whole bunch of content for the thousands of people that are going to listen to this episode. Yeah. Make sure to follow me on Facebook Marketplace too. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk about that for sure. Anyway, so Robert Clark, uh, Robert and I have been uh, uh, in a professional relationship and now a friendship for going on. I think we're just about on two years. I think it was yep. July of 2018. I think you're right. Um, I'll never forget. I'll still never forget the day. And, and as soon as I'm going to get you the opportunity to introduce yourself, I'll still never forget like talking to you on the phone. You're like, I'm gonna come into the office. I had no idea you were coming from hours away. You come in here, you're fancy suited, and but you were like so young. And, and I'm like, oh man, I don't know if it's gonna be a good client. I don't know if this opportunity is gonna look like. We have a conversation and we get to the end of the conversation. And you're like, all right, let's start working together. And I was like, wait, what? And look what's happened. I know, yeah. It I is mean so good. Someone had to manifest it, right? It was like, I guess that was all me. I don't know. <laughs> we had some connection points. I think it was really, really good. So welcome back, dude. Second Thank time. Second, Second time, time on the podcast. I cannot believe it. I cannot believe it. Last episode was episode 38. Wow. I know. It's been a while. And and we're up in the 90s now? Uh, I think this will be episode 95-ish by the time it goes live. Wow. I know. I Congratulations. Know. Thank you. It's a labor of love. Definitely Absolutely. not a labor of popularity. As I'm finding out. Yes. <laughs> yeah, getting ready to launch a podcast too. Yeah. Oh, we're going to promote it all today too. All right. So someone meets you off the street mm -hmm. and they're like, what do you do? I got to oh, know. <laughs> I got to know. <laughs> this is this is the hardest. I usually just make things up. I'm like, uh, I do uh, blow up animals in the circus or like Have something that like that. I've I've tried that one on. It, what did they say? It's, no, it's it's not sellable enough. <laughs> I need to tame it down. The the hard part is I do disability insurance or income protection or income sustainability. I feel like anytime I explain it to someone, they're like, "Okay, he does insurance and it kind of ends there." But um it's either that or they think I work for Aflac. And so I always have to that's why I just stop saying I'm in insurance. 
because it's just it gets complicated no one you, you know how many how many how how relieved are you when you ask someone what they do and they're like oh i'm an insurance you're like oh yes okay cool let i got a question for you like <laughs> i've had this thing yeah. burning inside of me and today i have the answer said no one ever uh, yeah so until you need it though right absolutely yeah so again i we had no agenda for today's conversation there's going to be so much stuff that i think we're just going to run around i got things that are spinning around in my head right now but i think that this is something that i'm coming clean on you know this because we fixed this problem but you know for so i've worked in the professional world i've had jobs since i was 17 16 i guess so dating myself 26 years that's a long time some of you haven't even been alive that long and at most maybe i took insurance from my company right like i especially previous to probably like 2012 or 13 when companies were just giving you kind of everything medical dental vision life insurance disability um i just took it right and very uneducated in what that was then the Affordable Care Act comes into place, which that was 2010. But once it started finally hitting companies, then companies could no longer just free for all give you everything. They had to start making conscious decisions on where to cut back. And so we had to start making decisions around what type of insurance plans to choose and how much should we want coming out of our paycheck. And so that was kind of like the first grown up decisions. And I was in my like late 20s at that point. And then um, I remember probably, gosh, I mean, again, it's so sad to say this, but when I went to work for a regional insurance broker, 2015 was the first time I really understood that employer provided life insurance actually really sucks because you can't take it with you. And so you're not earning any years into that. And so like if you get laid off of a job at 52 and you want life insurance, you have to go buy a policy for the first time, right? And you're rated at 52. Yep. That sucks a lot worse than being rated at 30. Yes. And so then that happened, that was 2015. But I never took disability insurance seriously because I was indestructible, right? right? Like I don't need it, I don't worry about it. And then we started working together. And there was never a time over the now even two years that we've worked together. Maybe I have to push you to talk about it more. Like you never really like talked about it. It was never really a necessity. And I remember we started having conversations where I was like, okay, I probably need to do this because something could happen. I mean, I had a tragic event happen to me. I could have been shot that night and disabled forever. Like there were so many different things. And I thought, what am I gonna do with my family? And so we got into that conversation. And what I learned coming out the other side, I'm still so ignorant to disability insurance. I mean, overall, right? Like in, in, in all the spe uh, specifics, but it was so helpful for me to walk through that process with you because it allowed me to see what gaps I had in my life, what I really needed to do. And so I guess all that long story to say, like I wish more people took it seriously and talked about it more because it's too late by the time we normally do, right? Yep. Which is a big part of your story, yep. right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I don't, don't want to spend the whole episode, your poor listeners listening to insurance. Um, no, but okay. Wait, conversations. Pause. That's the point. I, I mean, I, I know there's other stuff we're going to talk about, but I think that's a big part of the point is it's just like, um, you know, we, we don't want to 
pay taxes. And so nobody wants to talk about that. And so people end up getting screwed into paying way too much or they don't pay them at all. Right? There's a lot of things like that. So if you're listening right now, you're smart enough to be a leader in your business, to be successful in your career. If you have not educated yourself or aligned yourself with somebody as it relates to the types of insurance that are available, you've made a huge, huge mistake and you need to do something about it. So that said, disability insurance. Disability insurance. Yeah. I mean, um, so spending eight years of my life in this industry, the, the one thing I would say that, you know, I, as I continue to learn just the purpose it serves in all of our lives, the, the one thing that I've really grown fond of as a concept is to think about, you know, we all think about how much money we earn every year or on a monthly basis, what have you. We never project those earnings for the rest of our life. So like, it's awesome if you make $200,000 a year, but if you're 35 years old making $200,000 a year, you're going to work for another 30 years. That's $6 million of future earnings that you have yet to earn that a lot of your financial goals are built into. And so it's just that it's that bag of money that you want to be responsible and at least being aware of what are your goals and what's necessary to um, remove exposure from, yeah. I guess, more or less. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and again, like I think some of the biggest problems that we face are our own ignorance tied to our own pride because we're ignorant we don't know right a lot of times we just don't know what we don't know and, and so that's not necessarily our fault even though there's a lot of resources out there but then the pride part of us is typically like because i don't know i'm not going to admit that i don't know and therefore i'm not going to ask for help mm -hmm. right and so i feel like that's where the most people get bit um, especially in an environment like this, because again, the, the kind of ignorant statement is I'm really never going to get sick or I'm really never going to be disabled. And if I do like something else will take care of me, the government will take care of me. <laughs> I can't even get that out straight face, <laughs> but like somebody will take care of me. And, um, the reality is none of that's true. Um, but it's too late. And so like, I think part of that is like destroying the pride, breaking down the prideful kind of like mindset that says um, I'm I'm too good to to open up and admit that I don't know. Yep. You know. Yep. Absolutely. No, that's that's a, a big thing at hand. the The other thing that I've enjoyed coaching people through, like as this conversation comes up, disability insurance specifically, is I love. Um, helping people understand when they won't need it anymore, mm. because I think that's a really important piece to the puzzle. Uh, a lot of insurance sales people would like to sell a policy and it to be enforced for 30, 40 years. I flat out tell people, I'm like, as soon as you have a sustainable income source that covers your monthly expenses or gets you to your goals, I define sustainable income source as as an income that comes in, whether you are there working for it or not, yep. unearned income or often phrased as passive income, like, like that's really the income source that you want to be seeking out 
as you're looking at, you know, what opportunities to align yourself with. If, if you're, if you're looking for, um, security and to mitigate exposures yourself without using an insurance product, like find the passive or unearned income channels. So what are those, you know, income producing assets like real estate, whether it's commercial, single family, um, but rental, not your own personal dwelling space. Correct. Right? Single family residence does not qualify. Yes. It has to be income producing. Someone's paying you rent. You are you are receiving income on a monthly basis and it does not matter your health or your existence. That money is coming in. Um, e-commerce, another popular one that I talk about. And um, it's so it's it's like all these different channels, like the more that you can build up those income streams or someone's business. If you're a small business owner, like like you're talking about a course that may come out around foundations, which I think is phenomenal. Once that course starts to have some level of automation behind it and it does not require your time in soliciting or getting new members, that's sustainable income. Yeah, yeah. But but even like even then, right? Like what kind of scares me there is, you have to make sure that that's long term sustainable. You yeah. know, not twelve months or twenty four months. Absolutely. And I still think that's like that's the narrow view that a lot of people take with that stuff. Um, gosh, you said so many things. So another thing I paused on you, uh, or, or I interrupted you when you said was around, um, um, housing, right? Yeah. Uh, real estate. Yeah. Oh, I, I couldn't figure out that word for a second. So tell me quickly why using your own personal residence as, um, an investment is a bad idea in your opinion. Um, one question, how much does your house pay you every month to live in it? And that's, but, but then the question back, I mean, but the thing back is like, but it's an appreciating asset. Uh, it is an appreciating liability. So, so an, an asset should not, uh, one, you, you should not continue to pay into, um, here, let me phrase it this way your your air quote asset needs to be painted it needs to be maintained it needs to be repaired and you're paying down the loan for it simultaneously so so far the four things on that list you are all paying for and it's possibly appreciating there's yep. no guarantees in the appreciation um and and you're still a consumer of that so it should be an asset should be something that you are completely separated from that only pays you. Yeah. I, I, I like, I love having this conversation now because I, I never used to think about it this way either. And I think that only as of maybe the last year or two, and it's starting to become, become somewhat popular of a statement to be made that like, you know, your own personal dwelling is not a good investment. And up until a few years ago, and forever, it's always been like, you know, one of the best investments you can make is into your own home. And I'm like, mm -hmm. no, it's actually caught. And it's not a bad idea, you know, like if that's what you want, it's just not an investment, yeah. right? Um, okay, so uh, you said that, that was super helpful. Oh, something else that, um, that was in there. So what's so interesting, we started talking about disability insurance or like that's what led down this rabbit hole because just that's what you said you did and you didn't want to talk about it. Um, and, what I think is so important is, is 
while you are not necessarily licensed in all these other areas of finance, you have enough awareness, both because it's what you're passionate about, uh, it's what you study, but also it's the way that you practice your own life. Like that's the type of person that you want to engage and interact with when you're gonna buy an insurance policy, not just an insurance salesman. Right. And unfortunately, most people end up interacting with the insurance salesman, right? Right. Yep. Absolutely. So like, I don't know, maybe this is a little bit of like a time for you to like self-promote, which I know how much you love doing that. <laughs> but, but what, like, what are some things that people can listen for or look for uh, when they are going to be shopping for their own personal insurance policies that may help them to see that this person has a bit a bit a bigger picture beyond just the policy yep um i love that so the oh, the the, <laughs> the one thing that is very important to me is to really know the difference between an investment and an insurance policy and by that i mean insurance is there to protect you from catastrophic risks a lot of salespeople today are trying to sell insurance policies that have investment features in them or different riders that you would be able to more likely to claim or receive a benefit from these policies and what what's really happening is you know i don't know if you've ever eaten in a food court but generally there's there's this really fantastic utensil and instead of having to buy forks and buy spoons, they basically put it into one and and they called it a spork, right? Yeah. Um, have you ever tried to eat spaghetti with a spork? <laughs> Doesn't work so well. Have you ever tried to drink soup with a spork? <laughs> you can't get that much. So it it's this utensil that is supposed to serve a couple, you know, multiple purposes. They they built it into one and it just doesn't do anything well. Right. And so that's how I feel about some of these insurance policies that have, you know, the, the gadgets or the extra triggers or the in investment benefits built into it. It's like you are paying for that, you know, put on your investor hat or put on your protection hat because you are overpaying for one or the other. Yep. Yep. If, if, if you need insurance to protect you or your family or your business or your house, you should only be buying insurance for the protection and nothing else. Mm. If you are sitting across the table from someone who's trying to sell you a policy that has 25 other built-in benefits plus the insurance, you are being sold to. Mm. Um, and so that's the one thing that I would really pay attention to. Yep, yep. No, I mean, I, I, I think that's really good. I mean, that's all all along the lines of like jack of all trades master of none right when you need to go to get a general opinion on your general health your primary care physician may be a good person to talk to but if you're going to go get open heart surgery you don't want that general practitioner you know yes. cracking your chest open and digging into your heart right not if you want to survive right yeah. right right <laughs> okay so i mean i i think those are helpful things to think about when it relates to that uh, because again i think it has become um this has become an area of easy target right i mean there's a lot of people there's a lot of those 
big houses out there that are just sending people literally knocking door to door trying to sell policies. And what's worse is, and this is what really scares me, is, you know, in the midst of a health scare that we have right now, also people are losing their jobs. One of two things happens. Either we go into complete scarcity mindset, which is like, I'm going to just huddle around whatever I have and I'm not going to let any of it go which that can be really bad. The other side of it though is like, my fear is gonna lead me to now make decisions. And so people are preying on that fear and people are making really bad decisions, right? Around a lot of, even these policies. Yep, absolutely. So super bad. It's scary. Um, Yeah, you know, COVID's an unfortunate situation. However, it has sparked the conversation more than I ever would have thought. Mm for people just understanding or or having a respect for how vulnerable their income actually is. So before COVID, you know, their 401ks were higher than they've ever been. Their incomes were higher than they've ever been. Everything was fine and dandy. Um, Up to, you know, a conversation I had last Friday with an optometrist. She tested COVID, uh, COVID positive, had zero symptoms, was just doing it for the uh, you know, so her clients felt comfort knowing that she tested uh, uh, negative. That did not happen. She tested positive. She's been out for the last three weeks. Fortunately, symptoms never got terrible for her. For her, but what was alarming was, holy smokes, um, if this lasted more than these three to four weeks, I don't know what my family or I would do. She yep. was a sole breadwinner, and and um, and and so it's it's been refreshing to see people have a respect for hey maybe these are these are some planning scenarios that i should take into consideration because it's not just the gravy train that i thought it was yep yep that's good okay so what are some other things that you personally have done um to shore up protecting your own income so you're dabbling in all kinds of fun stuff and I'm going to let you unveil those as you decide you want to. But, um, so typically when I hear passive income, um, I hear, you know, typically that's the word that's used. It's like, okay, so I'm going to go start a Melaleuca business <laughs> or, um, I, <laughs> God, I don't I don't what is that? <laughs> Do you know? Like a like a MLM, yeah. Like a multi-level yeah. I just marketing didn't know deal. what that specific one was. Yeah. That name just came to mind oh, for some reason. I don't know. Is it not oils? I, that's where I, think, I was going with I it. I think is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so like they maybe think about that. Um, a lot of entrepreneurs go right to automation, like digital courses, which. I, I'm a little bit scared about those things because that can get watered down because they're just chasing the money and not really the value, but like that's an option. But like, what are some other things that people can do? And your own examples are always the most helpful. Um, so what are some other things that you've done that other people can at least consider um, as yeah. other ways to just continue to build wealth yeah, long-term? Absolutely. So, I, and there's, there's uh, plenty of options for, seeking out, you know, what I refer to as like residualized income. Um, but I usually only like to speak about the ones that I'm involved with those being real estate and e-commerce specifically. Um, I'm even trying to think of anything else. And yeah, I mean, it really comes down to those two industries. And I think I like those because they have the, you know, 
historically you can look back and they've been very sound yeah. as far as, you know, not just being like a, a hot streak or, you know, an oils thing that's relevant for 24 months and then starts to fade out Twenty-four hours. Yeah. 24 hours. Once you get through your church, it's over. Exactly. <laughs> There's no one else to talk to. Exactly. But, you know, even diving into real estate, like the difference between uh, single family residence investments and multifamily, like I will only look at multifamily because the single family residence, like you have one tenant. And so you are reliant on that one tenant staying in that property, keeping that property up, you know, paying you every single month. Like there are a lot of people who may have got into real estate investing, yep. bought one single family home. And then during COVID, the family that was renting from you probably couldn't make rent or possibly couldn't make rent and since they couldn't be evicted during the covid because that law they got away with out paying rent for three to four months and yep. the landlord couldn't do anything and and so you know again this goes back to like income sustainability i want to be able to count on a regular monthly income for yep. my family regardless of my health or my situation in order to do that for me in real estate like I really want I want multiple doors and you went for multiple doors and I went for multiple in doors the way of not the normal multiple doors you would think of. I know so uh, we got to talk about this. so so yeah mobile home parks uh, mobile home parks are a phenomenal multifamily resident uh, real estate tool uh, so how, okay. So people hear that. And I mean, like, there's just no way, and this is like not knocking, but like no one ever thinks super positively about mobile home parks. Right. We typically either think about like retirement communities that old people live in or like deep South. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and that's yeah. unfortunate because there's actually some really nice mobile home parks. Don't or tell them. If you go to Lake Havasu, because there are yeah. some bomb mobile homes in Lake Havasu, yes. and they're really expensive. Okay, but what, like, what was that? Like, why mobile home parks? How did that idea? I I wish it was a prettier story. I really wanted an apartment complex, okay. and I don't know if you've seen the prices of apartments. Crazy, it's right? extremely high because rents are so high. Right? So, as a young professional, just looking for a real estate investment, and knowing that I didn't have a million dollars to put down into a real estate deal. Um, I was just like, well, the next best thing seems to be like, mm -hmm. I started seeing multi, uh, multifamily properties on, you know, sites like LoopNet, And I'm like, wait a second, 700 grand for the whole thing. And, and I can, you know, get a normal commercial loan on it. You're like, wow, there's, this is actually possible. Um, so then that's what struck me to go down that path that it was accessible and it had the multifamily characteristics. And so I really started to pursue it. Um, and there's a lot of other like really good benefits there. I mean, like even simple things around, you're gonna have a real hard time having tenants abandon property because, or not pay you rent because their property's on it, right? Like right. they own the dwelling, but you yeah. own the land. Yeah. And so, and, and so when you invest into that, when you invest into mobile home park, you buy that so you buy the land yep but they keep title on their trailers right or on their mobile homes so and it can go either way okay. so it's what's referred to as either park owned homes okay. or tenant owned homes okay uh preferably i mean i guess each to each each person has their own opinion uh tenant owned homes are where 
I find the sweet spot because yes, you're right. The, the individuals living in their mobile homes, they own those mobile homes. Yep. So while you might think that, wait a second, don't you want to own real estate and rent out real estate? Um, you do, but on the contrary, since they own the homes, they are in charge of keeping it up. They are in yep. charge of maintaining it. They are in charge of uh, repairs. And so you have you have mitigated all like 99% of tenant complaints because yeah. they are all their own landlord. Yeah, like sense. unless there's like a sinkhole or too many weeds in the yard, you're good. Exactly. Right? Yeah, no, that's awesome. Okay, so good idea, good thoughts. Um, and there's ways to do that with multiple people, right? Like you just don't have to go into that by yourself. And so yeah. that way you don't have to come up with a whole bunch of money on your own. I know there's a lot of creative financing around mobile home parks too. Yep. Um, I've heard some pretty good stories. So that's an interesting one. Very interesting. I, I love that it's not more talked about because yeah. it's it's a phenomenal you asset only have one? class. Uh, two. Two. Yeah. Looking for more? Looking for three, four, and five. Whoa. Right now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dang. Yeah. This guy, now like he's hustling time. away. Uh, okay, so you do that. Uh, you do some e-commerce. Do I mean, fortunately, I don't have to do much on the yeah. e-commerce, but yeah, own own an Amazon store. Yeah, um, how's that going? Really well, uh, really well, and then not so well. And so, you know, great conversation because real funny conversation. F- hilarious. Um, <laughs> not for you in the yeah, middle of it. Not not that great. So you were running or. A profitable e-commerce store. Yeah, it was doing decently well. It was going great. It was I was it was probably selling I don't know twenty to thirty thousand dollars a month. And then uh, March fourteenth of two thousand twenty, I sold um, toilet paper during the toilet paper rush. But you sold toilet paper before that. You didn't just go out and find it and sell it. I had always had toilet paper as a and and I don't create these listings like there's a whole team that does it yeah um you don't um, set pricing you don't do correct anything, i don't right? i don't touch anything with the yeah. store so i i noticed though that it had been selling toilet paper you know for the last couple months and then when coronavirus and the pandemic really hit and people for whatever reason <laughs> toilet paper crazy toilet paper yeah I sold a ridiculous amount. Can you please can you please share? Like people need to hear like like $32,000 worth of toilet paper in probably 15 hours. <laughs> I can't help it because like hold hold, hold on. <laughs> I and and for the record, I did not buy a single box of that. And so we were actually <laughs> were short toilet. on toilet paper, <laughs> but we had just sold $32,000 of it in one day. Okay. So you notice this crazy spike in your Amazon store and you're like, what the hell? Yeah. Toilet paper. And then what happened? It was hard to focus that day. I mean, my <laughs> phone lights up every time the store sells something and like it every was every item. Um, yeah. So like, like it's going right now. Yeah. So you'll see. Those. Oh yeah. And it's getting ching ching notifications. Was, it right was now. just, it like, it would light up every other second. And I'm like, I, I finally had to put on airplane mode cause it was selling so much that day. I was like, I can't focus. So I, <laughs> so I turned it off. Um, and I just remember, and, and so it wasn't like 12 packs of Charmin either. We're talking like the commercial 
80 pack boxes of toilet paper and so these companies were normally buying exactly anybody was buying it families were buying this for no reason other than everybody else was buying it craziest thing in the world um yeah so when you when you go from selling you know a thousand dollars a day worth of goods to thirty two thousand dollars in one day amazon rightfully looks into it and and you know that raises a major red flag on their system and so they had to suspend my store to investigate the situation and there you have it store was shut down for the next i think it was 82 days it ended up being um so you know there's there's a lot of i like trying these different asset classes we'll call them (laughs) figuring out figuring out the pros and cons and i feel like i've experienced that you know with e-commerce specifically um i don't generally recommend trying these things to you know friends and family because you know same reason i don't want to be a financial advisor i don't want to be responsible for their loss or you know as your coach i don't love that you do them all the time either because sometimes i'm like yo slow it down a little bit focus focus like when you're getting nine thousand notifications in a day it's hard to focus on anything else yes you are absolutely (laughs) right I should have left my phone in the car. Now you see all my where all my problems Bing. are. Yeah, Bing. yeah. Oh, that, that's why. Sorry, what'd you say? One more time. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Okay, so you're, so you're making efforts. You're hustling. Um, what are you hopeful for? Like, and I'm talking like strictly financially, uh, and, and and I don't mean like by numbers, but like. What are you hopeful for? You just turned 30, right, mm-hmm. this year? Thir- uh, no. 31, 31, 31, yeah. that's right. Um, so very young, by everybody's stretch of the imagination, except your own that's shaking your hand, says the 31-year-old guy. Um, you have um, 30 years until, 30-plus years until people think they're going to retire, and I say think they're going to retire because most people can't. Um, you have, uh, 15 to 20 years until it'd be really fun to retire. Um, but what, what's kind of like hopeful for the future, uh, financially for you? Um, yeah. So uh, I would say, and, and this is a question I ask myself all the time. It's like the, what do you want? Like you get one life, you get one shot. What do you want out of this entire thing? Um, since I am a bit of a finance mind, I, I put that in a balance sheet perspective what I've really, what I've really nailed this down to is I like working. I love working. So I don't see myself ever actually retiring, but what I want are basically the freedom to live each and every day, how I see fit. So if that means spending an entire summer at a river or a lake house with my family, you know, with hopefully like a six and an eight year old kid that I'm raising and getting to spend time with them. And if, if I get to do that, that to me is everything. Uh That's, that's what all of this is for is, you know, my, my dad battled cancer, which we got into on the, the last episode. So that, really limited his ability to be active in our family. And, um, that is why everything that I've talked about so far and continue to talk about is around sustainable income sources. So we can enjoy the time that we have with the people that we love, Uh no matter what, if you are out only earning an income, 
you have to keep showing up to earn that income and you can only have so much fun or balance. Um, so my financial goals are, are really catered around, okay, what are my monthly expenses? Let's try and double that amount so that I have twice as much coming in. Now let's, f that's kind of my target monthly amount. Uh -huh. Now let's figure out how we can get there on a automated or passive or unearned uh, standpoint. So, yeah. So, okay, so, so you do that. So let's just say, I'm just gonna throw like a round number. So let's just say, this would be crazy, but let's say your monthly expenses are $10,000 a month. And so you say, I wanna earn $20,000 a month, or I want $20,000 a month coming in, and that's net money, right? Not gross money, which right. that's another big mistake people make is they say like, yeah. you know, I'm gonna make 100 grand a year, and, uh, and, and that's gonna do it. And we all know that that turns into about $57,000 a year, and especially in California, maybe yeah. less than that. So anyway, so you're talking net money, those were my numbers though, but suggestions. So you say, I, I want to net $20,000 a month and I want that to be in uh, sustainable um, income. Do you also kind of have a target around, and then once I can build up a savings to this month based upon the probability of some of these things continuing on for a long period of time, but whether or not they do, I know that if everything dried out all at once, that I could continue to live my lifestyle for the rest of my life. So do you kind of have like a an age around you know when, if you continue to work the way that you are, that there could be a clean break if there needed to be? Um, you know, it's, it's funny, so, so I'll, answer that with another question. And if you were to hit a large lump sum of money, let's say, you know, $10 million was your goal. Yeah. When you hit $10 million, if you stopped working and said, cool, like I'm done, I, I made it. What would you, what would you want that $10 million to do on a monthly basis? Earn interest. Right. Earn right. interest, essentially pay you. Yep. And so I, I'm like, to me, I think I've gone full feedback loop to where I'm like, okay, a lot of people set a savings goal, you know, too many people set it at a million, which will be upsetting 30 years from now. Um, but when you set that savings goal, what's really most important is the income that generates, that nest egg generates and not the nest egg itself. Yep. You're not yep. gonna, you don't wanna pull, a, you know, a hundred grand out of your principal account. So to answer your question, I have thought less and less about saving to a magic nest egg number because the most important piece is just the recurring income. Okay. So then so then that's just a combination of many different things producing that income that could also be some lump sum amount that's sitting in the bank. Yeah. Like uh, I, you know I I I'm not for only relying on the income that you're hoping is going to come in this yeah. month. So, you know, all of it is with kind of the, the plan. Like I like a 12 month emergency account sitting liquid, ready to go for yep. one year of expenses. That is more than most people do, but I like the comfort and safety and security that provides. Yep. So, you know, I think having that is important. It, when I think about nest egg amounts, I'm thinking like six to 12 
uh, million a year, or sorry, six to 12 million in savings. That's like a very, I think once you hit 10 million, it's pretty undestructible unless you have some terrible grandkids. Um, <laughs> um, but again, the fundamental piece is like, what, what does that actually mean as far as income? If 20,000 net is your goal, I'm thinking, how do I make $400,000 a year on autopilot? Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Well, okay. And so you're throwing these numbers around, you know, right now that just sound crazy, right? A lot of people are like, save a million bucks. Like that's my dream, which is a phenomenal, phenomenal amount of money to have in savings. You're rolling your eyes for all of you that could get there. That's fantastic. But, but what I mean by that is like, I think that we have, and, and this is not in some like, let's put this out there and we're going to get it back in a very real practical way. As we continue to try and manage our life financially, we're always trying to find ways to cut, trying to find ways to save. And there's definitely things that we can do to be smarter about how we're spending our money. Absolutely. Um, but, uh, that's why I love, um, uh, Teach Me to Be Rich mm -hmm. by uh, Ramit. I mm -hmm. can't remember his last name right in the moment. Um, but, you know, he talks about it's a lot easier to go make money than it is to save money, especially because you end up like, you know, trying to save pennies when you can go out and earn dollars. And so I think that, you know, as people continue to look forward in their life, not that money is going to produce all this great stuff for them, but it does become this huge barrier to so many other things in life when we're really struggling with it. I think there's a lot of ways that people can start today. I don't care if you're 31, 41, 61. There are so many ways today that people can go out to look to earn more money doing the things that they love, whether that's charging more in their own business. I had a lady tell me yesterday, I was sharing with her one of my coaching programs and she's like, you're way undercharging for that. And I'm like, I know, but there's some intention to it. She goes, no, 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 you're way overcharging or undercharging for that. And so it's like, sometimes it's as simple as that, right? Set your fees higher. Other times, and I think that even during this pandemic, like there are ways to go to the organization and help them to see where you wanna go financially to earn more money there. There are ways to like, hey, we are going to to take a huge step back as a family this year and we're not gonna spend money. I mean, one thing that people should be doing right now, like if you've continued to sustain your job and your finances haven't really been negatively affected as a result of that, which thank God a lot of people have, I really hope people are saving money because you don't have all of these ancillary extracurricular opportunities to spend money, right? Like right. it's a lot less. So I just think that there's ways that people can wisely think about how to grow their income by some simple little steps sometimes mm -hmm. that could help them to create far more wealth in the future than they even think is possible. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it's it's so funny. It, it can be the easiest of things. One thing that you talk about and, and remind me of often is the power of referrals. But then two, um, I, you know, we were talking about this earlier off air and I'll bring it up here. You, you are the one that pressed me to be okay with promoting what I do. And, and because, you know, I, I have the internal conflict that it's not that interesting. People don't love it. Um, so I don't tell a lot of people about it, but when I, when I broke that mold or that self-talk, I finally created a video thanks to your push. I finally created a video that goes into what I do, why I do it, and tried to simplify it. Um, the 
the amount of not even just business that came out of it, the amount of um, community that came out of that when I shared it and when I talked about how much I hate self-promotion and how many people were like, oh my gosh, you and me both. Like, hey, I saw your video. I could never do that. I've been wanting, you know, I've been game planning. I've been strategizing a, a video series that I'll do similar and eventually. And, you know, so I heard all of these people who basically showed me and reminded me that like I wasn't alone in that doubt. Yep. But when it comes to earning more money, like, there are literally thousands of us who are scared or feel like it's too righteous to share how we can serve other people or what we do professionally. Yep. That's how you up your income right there. Yep. Okay. So I, so I have this really like funny story. It's totally like the context is totally irrelevant to what we're talking about, but, but it's around this idea of self-limiting beliefs with money. And again, like I am very careful here because there's just been so much, um, negativity. I don't know, just bad stuff around like making money. Like I just don't like a lot of the messaging that's out there anyway. So I get into this conversation with this new client. I just started coaching her this last week and she uh, is a coach uh, that's that helps people with relationships, um, how to um, uh, kind of clean up all the garbage like that's kind of going on in myself to to attract the right person to myself, right? And so I'm asking her, I'm like, so how much do you think that's worth? And she goes, worth? Like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, how much are you gonna charge, you know, to do that? And she goes, mm, da, 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 and we're going around and around, around. And she finally lands on, well, you know, I think if I could get, you know, $250 for like, for two sessions of this. And I'm like, okay, so I think it needs to be six sessions because uh, of how you're gonna lay this all out for people. I said, so we're we're gonna settle on 1250. And she goes, I, I, I can't charge that much. Like, I, I, I don't, how, how could I ever ask anybody for that much money? So I'm like, okay, take a step back. I said, if I said, this was you before, like this was a, this was a situation that she was in. I said, what does your marriage mean to you? Like, what is your marriage worth to you? What, what kind of value do you put on your marriage? And she's like, well, there's no amount of money. And I said, so I said, you can't guarantee the result ever. And you should never say you can, but if you really believe that you have the right system and process and approach to helping somebody finally find the person they're going to spend the rest of their life with, you don't think that it's worth somebody investing $1,250 into. She goes, well, when you put it that way. And so that's, I think what happens a lot of time, right? Like the same thing for you, like what you did for me personally in writing the policy that you did, you made pennies off of my policy. And yet you solved a problem for me that if I ever become disabled and my wife for that period of time never has to worry about money coming in and can continue to provide for my kids, you have done something for me that I could never repay you for. Hmm. How dare you not think that that's valuable? And just one of the ways that we attach something to, to, to value is money. Mm -hmm. We should be okay asking for it so long as we truly believe we're helping people, yep. which goes all the way back to our conversation earlier, right with you, which was like, you're not here, like just schlepping insurance policies. You're here to truly help somebody get set up appropriately. And so anyway, like I heard you say that and I just thought to myself, like, it's so important that 
it's not just about the right mindset with money. It's like we need to have the right, my, right mindset with value, mm-hmm. right? That's just something that's so missing in a lot of this conversation. Yeah, it's tough. And I don't know why that, that happens, but I feel like it happens to everybody. But don't you think a lot of it is because, like, we've been burned. Mm-hmm. Other people have been burned. Mm-hmm. Not even in our industry. I'm just talking about in general. So, mm-hmm. like, we've seen somebody get screwed over by somebody or something in a deal. Right. So we see those things happening. So that's that, that's the experience. Then we insert in our own lack of self-value and self-worth. Mm-hmm. No matter how confident you are, no matter how together you are, there's some doubt that is in every single one of us. And one of the ways that manifests itself is in value. And so then when you combine just those three experiences, yep. you can see how in your mind, in the mirror, you're like, how dare you ask anybody for anything? Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I think you're right. It's like, you know, we, we sell how we buy. And I think for most of us as buyers, like we don't want to deal with the pushy or like overly self-promoting person or the cocky, you know, sales guy. And so I think we end up kind of retracting to you know, trying to sell quietly and, oh, wait, hey, do you need this? And, oh, oh you do need it? Oh, okay. You want to you want to talk about it? Or, should, you know, it's, so it's it's just tricky, but it's like we're, we're, we're very much, you know, um, toying or playing against our own fears of, you know, how some people are sold to us that we don't like. And so yep. we're trying to do that dance. Yep. It's not easy. Yep. Yeah, no, I think that, again, it, it's so unfortunate for people that are truly trying to do the right thing because for those people and again i would say absolutely say this about you like you only want the best for people and by you not doing that you've heard me say this to you offline before right you're actually that's a disservice to other people you're withholding an opportunity for them to protect themselves mm-hmm. you yep. like you cannot do that it's, yeah. it's far worse. That's like letting your kid run out into the middle of the street and get hit by a car because you feel bad about telling them no. Right. You would never do that. Right. And it's the same thing. I think that we just need to continue to remind ourselves of how valuable we are based upon in this in this sense, what we're able to accomplish for other people, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of other, you know, things that like our value is rooted in us, but as it relates to the business transaction, we need to really just look at, I am able to do this. This is how I can help them, you know, past results show I can do that. I need to be willing to ask for it. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And, and, uh, you know, it's, it's funny as a consumer, I, I overvalue what, people provide to me like like i've told you for your coaching you should charge more did you hear that did everyone no just kidding (laughs) (laughs) and and you know and and so it's like you you have to realize that the people that you're talking to if you're trying to sell them something they likely feel you know the the same way kind of like you you said about the disability insurance policy i've never heard you say that you know face to face so it's it's just so interesting to hear from that perspective um and one of the other individuals that I was talking to that you referred me to, it was really interesting. We were talking about something completely separate, uh, trying to help him in his business, you know, followed up with them. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll let that idea marinate and, and we'll, you know, 
carry on and follow up with him again in a month or so. And he, he, uh, hits me back and he's like, Hey, um, but how, how do I do this for myself? And I'm like, Oh, interesting. Like I, you know, I didn't even think to bring it up or, or uncover it. And it's just like it, you know, whatever you're selling, not insurance, uh, but whatever you are selling consumers and prospects usually do value it more than we value it as the sales individual and our lives are just so complex and complicated and there's so many things going off all day long that like we need help telling us what's important or you know to get things done and so it's yeah that that was that's a whole nother 30 minutes to unpack there but i've as I've been reflecting on a lot of things that you and I talk about, like that's that's been huge for me to understand. Yeah, well, and and right before we jumped online, you know, when we were talking about community, like I think that is a big part of it. Like we do need people around us that are continuously honest, you know, with us. And I would say for most people that are attempting to do the right thing, they need more people that are honest with them, telling them they're better than they think they are. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting the way that that works. Traditionally, and this isn't always the case, but the overly confident, cocky people, the ones that think they have it all together, those are the ones that are lying to themselves that need to be held back. And, and, And there's areas that we all need to be held back in. But traditionally, the people that need to be built up, that need to be, um, um, shown that they're more valuable than they are, are usually the ones that are intending to do the most right. Hmm. I, I, I can't completely figure out why that is. I think a big part of it is because like, you're so honest at heart yep. that you don't want to hurt people. Yep. You know, And so that ends up lending itself to just you know, this crumble. So again, back to that idea, like, so having people around you that are honest with you and supportive of what you're after, who you are, that are willing to get to know you. Like, I think those things are just so big and, um, and they're not that readily available, which is so interesting to me. Right. You're absolutely right. Um, do, do you think it, well, I'll, I'll save that for another conversation. No, ask. Uh, so do you think it has anything to do with, you know, I'm going towards like disc profiles and you know i I can't remember what the other one's like hexagram or enneagram enneagram yeah yeah. like do you think that as far as building a team you know like uh, i'm a very high i or influential or whatever it means but and i thrive when there's that more that that driver present yeah that that d category like do you think community um based on that realm or do you just think like i don't know i I don't know i'm just kind of going to like i've found that most of the worlds that are going or most of the areas of my life that are successful i can usually pinpoint or Mm. look to like huh we kind of have pretty close to like all four parts of that disc kind of covered i mean that that's that's a really good you know kind of assessment and question um, I think that yes and no. 
that was like a cheap answer. That was a cheap answer. <laughs> so, but I'll answer. I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll articulate. So yes, I think that those are beneficial for the reason that you said. I think that having a team or a community of complementary personalities, like that's that's Michelle and I, right? I mean, we are drastically different personalities. We work so well together and it's because one is tempering the other, one's pushing the other. So I think in that sense, I think that it's super helpful. And so like when you're building a company or you're building like structure uh, for something like that, uh, for effort to produce an outcome, I think that those are helpful and complementary. The reason I say no or or the part of my no was only this. I do believe at the end of the day that if you surround yourself with people that truly want the best for you and for themselves, it's got to be a both. Mm -hmm. If they truly want the best. So that means their heart's really in it. I don't think you can ever go wrong being around people like that. Mm -hmm. Now, we, if we're both like on fire, really, like I'm a high D, high I in the disc profile. you know, or like in the strengths finder, like I'm a very strategic person. Like if, if that's like, if that's it, we're not going to go anywhere. Right. Like I need somebody like Natasha, my assistant to come in, you know, she's really good, um, on getting stuff done. So I think that there's always some temper and helpfulness there, but at the end of the day, more than anything, like, I think it's that it's that just desire like Mm -hmm. to do right. Um, in uh, the foundations group, right? Like, I mean, I, I don't really know where all those guys uh, were at, but um, w- when you're really just in this intention, like, I just want to get better. I just want to do better. I'm going to be honest about where I'm struggling. I want your input. I want your feedback. I want to build you up. I want you to build me up. I just don't think you can go wrong. Mm-hmm. And I actually think that's harder to find because if we're just profiling, then it's just like, hey, submit your, your application and we're gonna fill these spots. Whereas, like, to be honest about the fact that I don't have a million dollars in savings and I'm nowhere near that and I need you to help me figure out what area, if, if I really want that, what areas of my life I need to change in order to get there, then I, then, then that's helpful for me, right? Like I need that a lot more, but I got to be honest about that. Mm -hmm. Most people aren't willing to get there and they use all these excuses. Mm -hmm. We don't know each other. It's just not that type of relationship. Money's not important. Yeah. Yeah. But the best relationships I have have come on the back of me just being open and honest and transparent. Yep. And so that's, I think what we need to strive a lot for in that area. Yeah. So again, I think it is a both. And I think that there's some wisdom in both of those things. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think that that's a really, really good thing to think about. And I think that more people should like dig into those things. I'm yep. not familiar with Enneagram. Have you done it? No, I haven't. So, um, a, uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Nick Bogardis is his name. He just, uh, released a product around, uh, doing Enneagram testing. I'm actually going to put a link to the sh- uh, in the show notes to this one. I'll share it with you too. Yeah. I haven't taken it yet, but I'm going to do it. And it's a super simple, like self-directed. A, a way to go through it, but then they do some coaching and stuff around it. From what I've heard, I actually think that one would be really cool to mm-hmm. like get everybody's feedback. I'm actually thinking about when people enter into foundations yep. to do that for everybody. 
so people can see where they're at and then they can kind of share that with other people too so other people can kind of get their their feedback and their background on it too yeah yeah. because i think that like behavioral style uh like things like that i think are maybe more beneficial to like that relationship than even um like the disc or like the myers-briggs makeup though though those kind of have some of those characteristics yep Exactly. Uh, so having gone through DISC and a couple of the other ones, not Enneagram, what's really interesting to think about is um, all the things that, you know, going through, going through foundations with you and the group that we did it through, like none of those pieces that we discovered on foundations were even a part of that DISC or, you know, telling like who you are kind of at your core that's one thing to to know whether you're you know compliance driven or or just driver and what have you to go through foundations was like you're right it's it's a completely separate area of the same person who you are but you are now resonating with other people and and being able to throw some of those things you know and we're talking about like feelings and emotions like being able to throw those things out to other people who are almost as close to strangers except for seeing their name on the yeah. zoom channel um <laughs> is is really powerful and and freeing and you know to to look at some of those foundations about you know our roles and and what's important to us and our priorities and and all of these pieces like you just open that up for me in in my kind of my my thinking waves because i was really thinking like how do you build a community you know based on who's complimentary to you, but your group was, is the perfect example of it doesn't really matter what that is. So your yes and no answer <laughs> is valid that I we win. started with. Yeah. <laughs> it works, it works. That was good. That's good. Okay, well, thank you. That was a good plug for, no, just kidding. Yeah. Um, all right, we're getting ready to wrap. We just broke that hour mark. Oh my gosh. Um, I know, time flies when we're having fun, right? So, uh, we talked about disability insurance in a super productive way. I really do think it was productive. More people need to listen to that. If you have any questions there, reach out to Robert. Um, I will be, if you want to reach out to me and you have any more questions about that before you even talk to him about um, the type of policy I got, how much coverage I got, and even what I paid for it. I am more than happy to be open about that with you. Um, I, I can only answer what I know, though. He's going to be the one that's going to be able to go through the details. Uh, so we talked about that. That was super fun. We talked about ways to build other income and just being wise about sustainable income streams. I think that was a super productive conversation. And we got into community. Yep. That was good. I like that one. I, that, that, and that community, that last part, is the most important piece of it all. Because without that, like, now, you know, you, I've learned more and more that it comes down to who's the team that I'm doing this with. Yep. Because that's the only way things uh, fly. Yep. Well, I mean, you know, again, you've heard a lot of people say, like, um, you know, you spend all this time investing into your business, building your business, building wealth, all these performance metrics around money and earning and income. And, and yet they mean nothing, nothing, unless you have people to enjoy it with. Mm -hmm. And when we die, though, we, it would be really nice to leave wealth behind for the people that we care about. 
we actually have to have people that we care about at the end to enjoy what we're leaving behind, yes. right? And so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I would like to see more balance there just in the world in general. Um, we're seeing the exact opposite of that happen, happen you know, it, it, you know, self-isolation and polarization in our country today. And um, so, yeah, I mean, my hope is that more people bond together and band together around their heart's desire, their willingness to contribute, their willingness to invest into relationships. Uh, there's a lot of people out there, I think, that want it. I just think that they're really struggling to figure out how to ask for that help and, and, and get into it. Yep. I completely agree. Don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to ask. That's how we're wrapping. That was a really good conversation. Thoroughly enjoyed it. So did I. Thank you so much for coming down here today. You got a long drive home. Um, I'll make sure to put all of Robert's information into the show notes. You can contact him again at the income advisor that's on instagram he spends a lot of time on linkedin is that also the income advisor linkedin.com slash the income advisor linkedin.com slash in slash the income advisor you got to forget you got to remember that little in there in the middle or you go nowhere yeah it's a dangerous it's a dangerous game to play uh, hit him up if you have any questions again if you if you want to hear any more from me on why you should talk to him feel free to reach out I'll be happy to do that if there's anything valuable there. If anything I said today uh, excited you, offended you, or did something in the middle, I don't know what it is, feel free to reach out. I am more than happy to take as much feedback as you would like to give me. If I can help you in any way, please ask. I would love to be able to contribute to you living the best life that you can possibly live. On that note, see ya. Thank you for listening to Authentic Conversations with Ryan James Miller. If you found value in today's episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform and share it with others. To connect with Ryan and learn more, visit ryanjamesmiller.com.